Previously on the Nature of My Game podcast. My friends, I believe we have been observed. Donald's starting to go. You're taking off? Yeah, he's taking off. You think this person is a, is a decoy to drive you away so that Radon can swoop in and grab his telegrams? Manu could stay. She doesn't really feel the need probably to chase this guy. Robin Laws knows what you crafty players the are up to. The long arm of the laws <laughs> comes for us again. The audience gets to, gets to introduce a new wrinkle to the world of Donald Braith is that like, we're dealing with violently angry Donald Braith. You like rear back and, and hit him across the jaw. And as you do that, he like, he's got kind of blood in his mouth and he spits it back in your face and then he headbutts you in the head. I just do what I'm paid to do. And what was that exactly? To watch you. I have plenty of friends down at the local constabulary and they would uh, love to make your acquaintance, sir. He's a local doctor. Uh, his name is Henri Ducasse. That's the VD doctor. Remember, we don't need to be too aggressive with him. We simply need to find out why he's so interested in spying on us and others. I, I, I'm afraid we're too far gone. We've gone too deep with this, and there's just no coming out. You're afraid of that, and uh, it's sort of what I'm hoping for. The boys are back in town, folks. Charleston, South Carolina, February 23rd, 1880. Montgomery Hogg sat slumped in a chair, listening to his tutor read out passages in Latin. He was supposed to be copying them down, and he would, eventually, but he found himself doodling in the margins at the moment. Monty was bored. Sure, he was bored sitting here in his family home. Anyone would be, copying down lines in Latin. But Monty was bored generally, existentially, perhaps. Some people would have been impressed that a 12-year-old even knew what it meant to feel existentially bored. But Monty was not an average 12-year-old, and that was how he felt. Monty wanted more from life than what he saw in front of him. The life of a southern gentleman, the life of a rail baron. It just wasn't for him, and he knew it. And that just made everything he was doing feel pointless. The tutor continued on, reading out lines in Latin. Homo stellus in Kylo noctus suspexit. The man looked up at the stars in the night sky, Monty thought. Rather than writing the words, he started drawing stars instead. Stars in the night sky. Even that was boring. Monty looked down at his drawing. Stars. Black stars. Black stars in the night sky. Was there any way out for him? Was there any way to find a new path, a new destiny? Monty was 12 years old, and he already felt like his life was laid out for him. But he didn't want it. He wanted more. Black stars in the night sky. Black stars in the night sky. Black stars in the white sky. Black stars in a white sky. Now that, that was interesting. Black stars in a white sky, Monty thought again, smiling to himself. And he didn't hear another word his tutor said for the rest of the lesson. Maybe I can control my destiny.
I think it's time as we kick off the fourth episode to ask about any theories that our players have about what's going on. I feel like a lot of threads have been introduced at this point. Not every thread, certainly, but I feel like a lot of threads have been introduced at this point. So I'm curious. Uh, it doesn't have to be overarching theories. It can just be theories on any snippet of what's going on. But I'm curious uh, kind of where your heads are at. It could be an interdimensional type of thing. You know, if, if, if we're... Because, like, going into space, going to another planet, like, your head automatically kind of goes to aliens or, like, extraterrestrials and stuff. But then also at the same time, like, the whole Carcosa thing and the whole Yellow King, like, if it's an alternate or an interdimensional type of thing, like, yeah, you say we're going to the stars, but who knows where you're actually going. Mm -hmm. like, if this is tied, if the ship is tied to the Yellow King, which having the yellow sign on the side of it might, uh, it could be an interdimensional type of thing. That's, that's the best I got right now. Okay. I feel, like, very confused by the fact that this would sound weird to, like, an average Parisian, but they're into it. Like, I feel like the other adventures, it's like the people, the art students who are in on it realize that there's something really strange going on. But this one is, like, everyday Parisians are, like, dropping off telegrams to go to a planet. Like, it, I don't know what to do with that. Mm, okay. I think people would, if, like, somebody showed up at the top of the Eiffel Tower now and was like, hey, we're going to another planet and it's not this one. I think All the bad there, there'd people? be a deluge of telegrams. But, hey, yeah, oh yeah, the, I think so too. Fuck okay. out of here! Like I, <laughs> I, I think I think humans would just do it. I do. Yeah, it's a real like. I mean, it's not okay. exactly the same situation, obviously, but it's a real War of the Worlds scenario where people were convinced mm. by a radio broadcast that aliens were actually okay. invading. And it's, you know, it's uh, to me a similar type of like. Yeah, you'd have people that were on board 100%. I would do it. I would enter. I mean, I wouldn't. They'd be like, what have you done? I'd be like, I did Cool Dad's Basement, and I'm on a couple seasons of Nature in my game. But like, <laughs> so I wouldn't be deemed significant, but I would absolutely, like in a scenario like this, 100% I'm putting my name in the in the running. Yeah, why not? I also wonder if it's just showmanship. And if that's sort of how it came across to, to a lot of people. Like, clearly this is someone who wants to be in the newspaper. Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. Um, probably there's some interest in astronomy at the time and in other worlds. It sounds exciting. I mean, even like yeah, a you yeah. know, big dirigible or something is very exciting. That's probably something a flying machine yeah. is not something most people have. Like, this is like we're going to America know, in the sky. It's like, so, whoa, yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah this is. Yeah. This is probably a game being played by one of the two sisters or whatever, like like Casilda Camilla, what two as part of a bet. I don't know exactly what the end goal, and that's gonna be something I guess we end up trying to figure out as all of this progresses, but like to bring a bunch of people to Carcosa, I don't know, something like that. That that would be my guess. And he's the this person, um, Radon, is just he's not fully in on it like okay. he has been convinced that he is doing this to, in order to bring people to Conduit. another planet or whatever okay. but he's just another person who's being used by the other by the higher like yellow king powers in order to do something yeah. to complete some objective we hot or cold Eric? i could not say <laughs> not allowed any other more minor theories uh donald's note um nadar michelin that the note's the thing that's throwing me in terms of like I don't I don't don't know what that's about or how that ties in yet. So I'm really curious to see where that goes for for Don. The only thing I think about the note could be if knowing that it's this like 
cosmic battle between these two sisters. If we know that uh, they have, like, the Casilda sisters already made contact with uh, Monty, and, like, it, they had their one-on-one conversation in that at the end of season five mm-hmm. or whatever that was, that maybe it's the other one trying to make inroads with, with Donald, uh, like, to try to, like, a divide-and-conquer type of thing, or if, like, you know, if Monty is a powerful ally to Casilda to have the counter you know, be his, his friend. Like, it could be something like that. That's my only guess so far. Mm-hmm. I think so, too. And Casilda has inroads with Percy, too. Yeah, so it true, would, true. It would make sense yep. to kind of split them up. Yeah. I also think Nadar is Radan. Yeah, yes. But maybe, yeah. who knows? Maybe yeah, not. That would make Pure sense. coincidence. But we also had in season five, like, remember, like, the guy was kind of pretending to be the Duke de Rudier, but he just was wearing a mask. Oh, yeah, and, like, what, like, he had actually killed the Duke or. Yeah. So, like, it yep. could be one yep. of those, like, yeah, impersonation a, situation. It's yeah. like him, like an old, like him, but not really him, but also kind of him. One of those deals. Mm-hmm. All right. Lots of lots of good guesses. Right. I like it. Derek, you said that in the previous episode, you always answer every question uh, before <laughs> an episode. So what do you think's going yeah, on? Yeah. Hey, what's your theory? What I'll say is my prediction. I don't know. Prediction seems hard, but I am I am nervous for the survival of our characters, given what has been spent oh, no. and lost so far. Like that was a you know like the those the those totals for each of you in that initial fight were not insignificant. So I'm I'm curious to see how because I still think there's some there's some stuff to come. That's my that'll be my that'll be my honest okay. prediction. Is that right. things okay. may there there are more threats ahead. Oh boy! Oh boy! One of us gonna wind up dead. <laughs> All right, so as we left our players, as we left our player characters, Manu and uh, Percy were sitting at a cafe watching the front of the Sacre Coeur, uh, getting drunk, while Donald and Monty were heading to see Henri Ducasse, uh, while also getting drunk, after having been followed and then chasing down someone, chasing down the person who was following them and, and finding out that Henri Ducasse, this doctor, who uh, Donald and Monty are aware of, had paid this person to follow them um, and to track them, supposedly because he's looking to find where the secret auction is going to be, and he knew that that the four of you were interested in um, trying to uh, be invited to the secret auction. So the first thing we're going to do is also roll health tests for Monty and Donald, I think, who are... uh, who are partaking in a full bottle of wine on the way to Henri Ducasse's. Well, I'm going to I'm going to actually ask Don if he w- is going to continue to drink from the bottle of wine. If not, I will finish it and I'll happily make the roll, but uh if we split it that's yeah, fine. Yeah, I think we're splitting. I think he's going he's going pretty hard. And on that note, I think that he has been perhaps in the weeks since the um the incident at the Pelier Grande. Oh, I think he's been hitting it harder than he ever has in his life, yeah. like, and hitting it pretty consistently. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna say, I'll, I only have two health left, but I am gonna spend one on the idea that like he, he's, his tolerance has gone up yeah. recently. Like he's been hitting. All right, it go ahead, and, go ahead and roll. Uh, with the one, it is a five. Okay. What about you, Monty? I'm spending none on this. Okay. Three. All right. So you also are tipsy. Okay. Not the Chad Donald Braith, though. He's, he's fine. No, he powered through. 
Uh, so again, Tipsy reads, non-lethal, minus one to tests. On a failed test, make a bad drunk decision. Discard after two hours world time or after a test to avoid injury. So after having consumed a full bottle of wine together, the two of you arrive outside the door of Dr. Henri Ducasse. There's a sign hanging, uh, you know, kind of in the front, uh, near the front door that has his name. The last time I assume that either of you were here was when you dropped off Calvin Leith at this man and just ran away um, <laughs> to leave. I think you was, I think, I think you said before, Mikey, that you assumed he was dead. Yes. <laughs> so it yes. seems like he's not. No. Oh, seems like Calvin he's not. Leith has just been he's hanging out alive. with the doctor this whole time? <laughs> No, no, Calvin Leith God, is okay, dead. I was like, wait a minute, yeah. I misremembered. I okay. thought the doctor was dead. <laughs> yes. That's Calvin okay. Leith was burned in a fire started by Francis and Monty. Yes. <laughs> um, all right, so, Trail so we, we, the scene opens outside this man's door. All right, so I think before they go in, I think that Donald is still going to, because they're one-on-one, and he, he he's a little more comfortable kind of just one-on-one with Monty. I think he says, like, all right, but what do we do when we get in? I think we simply need to grill him. We need to interrogate him and find out why he has been insistent on spying on us and others uh, about this whole auction. He has to have some sort of angle on this. So I think we just find out. And you have that, and I'll point to the sword cane, uh, which I think can do, go a very long way in convincing him uh, to give up his information. Makes a good deal of sense, shall we? Let's... I will also say by the time that you travel over there, it's not dark yet, but it is it is getting dark. Uh, it's probably around 4.30 or 5, and sunset is around 5.45. So it's it's on its way to being dark. All right, so I think we walk in. Is he right there when we walk in? Just, I was going to say, do we need to walk open through, walk the door? door. Or? I think we just kind of, yeah, push yeah, the door do open. Quick knock and then push? Yeah. All right. If it's unlocked, sure. So you walk in and you see where there was kind of a, like a, not a full reception desk like you would see in a doctor's office, but like a little, a little like standing, uh, like podium kind of thing where, where someone might receive, uh, clients. You've, you've, you know, you've been in here before, so you know, this is how it's normally set up. And, and Dr. Ducasse is standing right beside it or behind it. And he looked like when you walked in, he was looking down. Um, like maybe scribbling on some paper or something. And as soon as the door opens and there's like a little bell that rings, he's almost startled that it like he like he was focused uh, really, really hard on whatever it was that he was doing. And he's startled and he jumps and he looks up and he sees you and his eyes get wide and he reaches down under the podium and pulls out a gun and holds it at you. He says, what what are the two of you doing here? We're s- simply come to ask you a few questions, doctor, old friends back in the neighborhood. Don't. Don't come any closer. Or? Or I'll, I'll, I'll have to, I'll have to use this. We'll see. You would murder two people in your own office? Well, it's, it's self-defense. You, you, you're coming in here to, to, to accost me. I was coming in because I've been feeling a bit under the weather. (laughs) (laughs) Shocked at, at, at your, at this reception. I'm, I must say. I don't believe that for one second. And he's like, you can see his arm shaking. Like he's not, the, the gun hand is not steady. And then, yeah, so Donald says like, no, that's probably wise. And then I think he slashes the arm with his sword cane. Oh, <laughs> wow. 
Um, yeah, give me a give me a fighting test. I think. Okay. I'm not gonna no spend. We'll just go pure. Six. Boom. Wow. Yes. Cut this motherfucker's arm off. <laughs> well done. So you're you're too quick for Henri Ducasse, and you cut nice. him across the forearm, and the weapon falls to the ground. And he goes, "Oh, pl- please, pl- please don't hurt me. Please don't I hurt will, me." I'll go for the gun immediately. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, you get there. All right. I'm not gonna aim it at him, but I will just hold it, pick it up, and kind of hold it, pointing up in the air. It was self-defense, Doctor. You understand. <laughs> and then I think I help him up and push him up against the wall. And I'm also going to grab, I'm not going to look at it yet, but if he was visibly scribbling when we walked in, mm-hmm. like if we saw that, I'm going to take whatever he was writing and just kind of, so I have it. Okay. So now I've got him up against the wall and yep. I think I'll just get right in his face and be like, why did you pay someone to follow us? Why did you pay someone to watch us? I, 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 I need to, I need to, to be on that, that flight. Why? It doesn't matter. I just, I, I need to be there and I, I, I just, I needed to, I need to find the auction. I, I need to be on it. I think it matters quite a bit. And I think myself and Mr. Hogg are the ones who get to determine what's important and what's not right now, sir. And I push him again against the wall. I just, I, I told someone that I would find a way onto the flight and I intend to do that. Can you please let me off the wall? I, I didn't hurt you. You hurt me. Self-defense. And I let him go. And turn to Monty, kind of be like, I'm going to stab this guy if you don't say something. Like, I'm it, not I'm not in the mood to negotiate. I just, I'm going to look at the gun and just say, who did you tell, sir? I think both of you notice as he kind of slumps to the ground, you would expect that he would reach out and try to, like, put pressure on the wound. Uh, but he doesn't do that. He reaches over to his right hand with his left hand, and he has a ring on his, like a gold ring on his pinky finger of his left hand or of his right hand and there's a ruby inset into the ring and he just like he's almost like instinctually like touching the ring and what did you what did you ask monty who did you tell that you would try to get onto this flight she's a a, a patron of mine monty will be kind of like looking at the gun absentmindedly and will Fire it away from the doctor, but fire the gun. Go, oops. <laughs> who did you, who, who is this patron? <laughs> the lady Camilla. Camilla is her name. I kind of jerk my head back and look at Monty like, ooh. I see. Why us, specifically? Well, I, well, I, I was at the Eiffel Tower and I, I saw Monsieur Hogg here and Mademoiselle Cassut. I, I saw the two of you speaking with... Monsieur Radan, I I assumed that you would be interested in in the flight. It it was one of the only leads I had. And Michelin? Yes, I I admit he he's a patient of mine, and he he told me that he was interested. Does that make sense, timeline wise? Like he told him today? Didn't everyone only find out about this today? They ran in. They were there together at the same time, and he was like, "Hey, Doc." Yeah, they. I mean, they. Yeah, he was at the Eiffel Tower too, and if you know, they knew each other and. That ring of yours, you seem rather attached to it. And he kind of, like, covers it up with his hand. He's like, oh, well, yes, yes. And then I think I just am going to, like, brandish my sword cane at him and and just kind of be like, perhaps we'll take it. Please don't. It's a it's a f- f- family heirloom. And I think Donald turns to Monty and kind of gives him a look of, like, should we, like, we could just take this ring if we want to. Do we think it's important or should we, like, let this, let this sit? Monty points the gun 
at the doctor and just says, give me the ring. No, I won't do it. So I think Donald's going to grab his wrist, whatever, like the one with that has the ring on it, and just kind of hold it and like kind of take the sword cane or like kind of hover it over the pinky. Just be like, <laughs> my friend asked for the ring. If you if you want it, you're going to have to take it. And I think Donald just kind of like sighs a discontented sigh and he goes to cut this guy's pinky finger off. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> um, okay. Wow. Uh, yeah, so you so you do uh, you do cut it off, and he screams in pain. But he almost like he like scrabbles for it with his other hand, like to grab the the less so his finger and more the ring. So I'm gonna need you to make me an athletics check. Athletics, okay, no spend. Five. Good yeah, dice so you tonight. you you grab you grab the ring and the finger before he's able to do so. <laughs> I think I just give him a little kick back to the back in line. Like you're lucky it was just your pinky, sir. And he just kind of, at this point, has, like, curled up into a ball and is just, like, weeping. I will take a, uh, maybe a clean handkerchief or something from nearby, since this is, you know, his office. Just some sort of clean cloth or something. Toss it to him and say, Doctor, heal thyself. And then turn and we can walk out. Jesus Christ. (laughs) (laughs) I love this. And out we go. And I think that, like, seeing him weep and curl up in a ball probably gave Donald a moment of pause because, like, he's hardened up and, like, losing his mind. But he's, like, not someone who's hurt a lot of people. Like, and now he's punched the guy in the face. And now he's he, like, cut the guy's arm. Now he cut a pinky off. Like, he's starting to see the trail of blood. I don't think he has the stomach maybe that Monty does, though he's trying to force himself to have it. So I think there's, like, a, at least a momentary moment of, like, oh, my God. Like, what? But I think it's just kind of he's able to shake it off and turn and just look back one more time at him and then just walk out without saying anything behind Monty. All right. So I think as you're coming to this realization, I'm going to need you to make a composure test Okay. for you commit torture. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to need Monty to make me a composure test for you witness torture. So we're going to start with Monty. Um, would you like to spend any composure points? Um, I will spend one. Okay, go ahead and roll, please. Uh, a two. Mm. A two. Which is a three, which is a two, because I am tipsy. Okay. (laughs) Oh, no, you're going to make a bad drunk decision if you fail. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's true. On a failure, you have to make a bad drunk decision. So think about that for a second. I'm going to text my ex. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And Donald, how many points would you like to spend? Uh, I I have seven, and it's really tempting, but my own rule might be biting me in the... Maybe <laughs> while he was going over there, he was kind of working himself up to, like, if I have to hit him, if I have to, like, hurt him, I'm yeah. ready to hurt. So I'll say he, I, I'll spend one. I think that okay. that's fair, okay. right? Yeah. Anyone have any issue with that? No, I support it. Okay. Yeah, one, and the roll is... Oh, there goes the hot dice. A two, so a three. A three, okay. So... Monty, uh, you uh, earned the major failure for this one. Uh, And so it is um, called a dish served cold. It's a shot card, which is your second shot card now. Oh, boy. Uh, Minus one to composure tests. Discard and refresh your composure pool by playing a role in the torturer's demise. 
So if you if you play a role in in Donald's demise, you uh, you can discard and refresh your composure. Oh pool. no! Oh, I've got oh, a great wow. idea for my drunken decision. <laughs> Shoot, Donald! Oh no, this is getting bad. Eric was right in the in the banter segment, folks. There's a lot more. <laughs> well, I didn't even plan this one. You were the one that decided to torture the poor man. In the game. In the game. <laughs> um, and so I gotta find yours here, Donald. But it's called Out of Control. Mm, you, it's also the major, um, a major shot card for. So that's two. Counts as two. No, it doesn't. It just, it's, oh, okay. it just is. It's just worse. Uh, but it is a continuity card, which I've just of discovered course. as I look at Out of Control. So it's a shot card. It is continuity. Okay. Uh, minus one to composure tests uh, to contain your emotion, emotions, or resist destructive urges. Minus one to composure mm-hmm. tests to contain your emotions or resist destructive urges. So, any, so if you try to stop yourself from doing something, you take a minus one. Um, there is no uh, removal condition for this. So this now is permanently on Donald Bray's characters because it is continuity and there is no removal condition. Yikes. Is a dish serve cold continuity as well? It was not. No, no. Okay. So you don't have to. You don't have to always plan for his demise. You just, <laughs> <laughs> just in this scenario, yeah. as long as I kill him, we're good. Okay. So I think then, just to to play with that, I think as when they get outside, like there's probably like a wash of emotion that comes over him because like of everything that's going on. And I think he just grabs Monty's arm and like almost like like suddenly a lot younger and more vulnerable and more like he just like looks Monty in the eyes and it's just like this isn't me. This isn't who I am. This isn't who I am. What's happening, Monty? What's happening? This isn't who I am. Don, give me the ring. Okay. Give me the ring. All right. All right. All right. All right. And I give him the ring. Look at the ring with the finger still in it. on it. Yeah. Take the ring off. Just throw the finger away. Just toss it into the street. Look at the ring. Do I? Is there anything significant about the ring that I notice at, at, while I'm looking at it? It's a plain gold band... And uh, uh, inset ruby that is—it's not massive, but it's—it's it's pristine. Okay. But there's no other markings on it. I think uh, so. I have to make a bad drunken decision here. So I think Monty looks at the ring and was expecting to see sort of like the band that uh, we saw yep. at the beginning of season one—something that's got inlaid with the black stars, white sky, um, the you know, the mask, something like that. And not seeing anything, he just, like, puts a hand on Don's shoulder and just says, Don, wait here a second. And he's going to turn and go back into the doctor's office and close the door behind him. Okay. Um, The way I'd like to play this out is Don hears two gunshots from inside. Okay. Then I'm going to need you to roll a composure test for you just killed a person. Okay. Yeah. Uh, how many points would you like to spend? You have two shot cards at the moment, right? Yeah, and I'm on minus one to composure tests, so this could be the end of Monty Hog right here. But I have to make a bad drunken decision. It's part of the part of the rules here. I thought you were going <laughs> to put the ring on or something. Is that a bad? I mean, how bad? Like how bad should the drunken decision be? I think you've made. Oh your, I think you made God. your choice. I think you made your choice. All right. <laughs> In order to potentially pass this, I'm going to spend three on it. Uh, what's the What's your reasoning behind it? Um, it's because he's killed before. Yep, yep. And he's uh, unfortunately used to this. Am, now, am I, I have your to suit ask, to protect? 
Uh, no. Francis is, No, I you're think. not. You're I neither my rely or seek to protect right it now. It could come from that, too. Now, technically, Tipsy st- says minus one on tests. Is that still true? Uh, what else does Tipsy say? Fa- uh, failed tests make a drunk decision, and I didn't write down what the, the like, there's a certain amount of time Two passes hours. and it goes away. Or after a test to avoid injury. Yeah, which you have not made. So yes, it's a minus two. Oh no. Oh, oh my god. Minus two oh, total. No. Minus one on composure tests and minus two on Oh shit. Alright. Actually before you so roll before you roll, game. Monty. Before you roll, we're gonna switch back over to Manu no! and Person. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Woo, baby. Episode four. on the other side of town what happens if someone dies we'll deal with that when we get there (laughs) (laughs) on the other side of town Manu and Percy are sitting at this cafe very awkwardly and tipsy (laughs) (laughs) what are they talking about I I think that Percy has already rebuffed Manu's attempt to like talk about their experiences talk about Casilda so what do you think the conversation is like (laughs) Manu is like so are you are you writing any poems lately? Oh, I, I don't want to talk about that, Manu. You know my work doesn't interest you. <laughs> I thought perhaps to pass the time you could read some for me. I do like to hear you speak, you know this. No, 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 you don't You don't want to hear what I what I have to say. It's, uh, it's a bit dark, a bit grim for your tastes. We are waiting for news. If we have been accepted to travel in an evil ship, I believe I can handle some darkness. But if you prefer to sit in silence, as you wish. Why don't you tell me the, about the things you love, Manu? I know, um, you know, we are all artistes here, and, you know, nothing quite opens the mind up like a fine bottle of wine, although perhaps not as fine as we typically have in the Vanderbilt cellars. But what moves you? <laughs> um, I don't think she wants to be asked this question. God, Percy? I thought Percy I think was that's harmless. why he's asking. <laughs> it's, a, it's an audio medium, so you can't see the eyebrows. Oh my god. <laughs> After she said, I thought he was harmless. You know, I, I I am around artists all the time because I love art. Art is, is everything for me. That's why I live in Paris. Why do you not create art yourself? I did not say that I do not. I believe that is not something I am willing to share if you will not even read your poems. I, I'll show you a bit of something. And I think he, um, you know, he opens up his notebook where he has... He works on a lot of, like, kind of trifling, minor tacky poetry sort of during the day when he's out sitting See, in cafes doing nothing whatever. Wants to hear. <laughs> but that's not what he wants to show her he wants to show her his um somewhat darker epic that he's working on um that in his eyes is kind of capturing um the fear he has that he's going to die very oh, soon yeah. potentially in a very foreboding way as he reads manu is like leaning forward like hands on her knee like like her her elbow i can't sorry you guys can't see me but like her her knees are like on her shoulder and she's like propping up her chin and she's like really like engaged in what he's reading hoping that it's a very long epic so that she doesn't actually have to share anything really encouraging (laughs) i think he he reads for like a couple of minutes and then he gets to a couple of lines in you know towards the end of what he he wrote that he doesn't remember writing there that are particularly grim and yeah. dark. He shuts the book and just says, and that, that's enough for now. Thank you, Mr. Vanderbilt, for sharing some of your true art with me. And she like gives him like a cheers and like signals the waiter for more wine. 
So I think uh, kind of in the lull of the conversation as the wine is being brought over, you see a man walking up the hill toward the basilica with a like a mail sack over his shoulder. <laughs> yes! A huge sack of mail. Yeah, like very, like very Santa, Santa Claus. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I think, who sees it first? Um, each of you roll a die, no spend. Minus one because you're tipsy. I got four. Oh. <laughs> one. Uh, Manu, so you, you see it first. Oh, no, a man, a man, look, look. Like, nothing subtle about it. She's like, oh, my God. Yeah, and I think Percy just gets up and walks out into the street to <laughs> sort of wait at the gates for this man. Manu, like, takes some money, some of the money he gave her for the pigeon and just, like, leaves it on the table <laughs> and follows after him. Percy's kind of embarrassed that she bothered to worry about paying, as if his name isn't good for it. I know, she's nervous. He's gonna, like, get tired of her. She relies on him. So, um, so you, uh, the, the man is a little bit ahead, so you kind of make your way up the hill to kind of catch him. And he goes, oh, uh, hello? Yes, can I help you? She's gonna, like, really quickly pretend that they work for this, and is like, oh, we've been waiting for these. She's like, bonsoir, like, it, it's about time that you are here. We have been waiting for the telegrams. Uh, Monsieur Radon is, is not a, a patient man. Thank you. We'll take them from here. Do you have a, an interpersonal ability that you would like to use um, to convince this person? Reassurance? Yeah, I think that could work. So he, he hesitates and says, uh, I, I thought that I'd be leaving them here or giving them to Monsieur Radon himself. Uh, you work for him? But of course, why else would I know what these are? Yes, he has asked us to come and get them. He is very busy, as you know. All of Paris is, is thinking about him, no? Yeah, uh, yeah, just tell him that there's, um, we couldn't bring everything tonight, so there, there'll be there'll be another delivery in the morning. At what time? Uh, probably around eight. We'll, we'll try to get it as soon as we can. Exactement. Thank you. Merci. Um, and at this point, it, it, darkness has fallen over Paris, and so it's quite dark out here. Um, but he, he scrambles off, uh, and leaves the bag with, nice. with the two of you. And she looks at Percy and she's like, now we can burn them. <laughs> is that what you is that what you're what you plan to do with them? Well we should read them first, right? I think Percy gestures back up. Are we at the basilica right now? Or are we like just? Yeah, a I assume bit you're outside? at the front door of the basilica, basically. The workers have left for the day. Oh, Jacques's we, not there? Jacques's not there, no. He's he's gone for good. He's he's, he's taking that money and, and running. <laughs> um we don't like see anything that suggests Radon is here, do we? Um, would you like to roll me sense trouble tests? Not I that it's trouble to. necessarily, but... Yeah, that sounds great. I don't have any to spend. I'll, sp I'll spend oh, one. nice. Got a six. Okay. Well, I got a two. I have one on the roll, so... All right, so you're supposed to make a bad drunk decision because you just failed to check. Um, oh, God. So uh, <laughs> you look around, you kind of look up to the sky to see if you see the, the, the flying, uh, the, the airship anywhere. You don't see it. Looks basically as it did before. I think Percy starts grabbing fistfuls of telegrams and just throwing them on the ground all over the place. It's like, this is garbage. We don't need this. That seems like a safer uh, drunk decision yeah. than well, any slightly. that were made prior. <laughs> I, well, I, but one, one, drunk, one drunk decision was preceded by nice conversation and uh, talking to a mailman, and the other one yeah. was preceded oh by torture. Gosh. So, by getting his finger cut off. <laughs> you know. Different <laughs> different inputs, different outputs. Uh, Manu, how do you react to uh, Percy well, grabbing fistfuls of telegrams and throwing trouble? them around? Uh, what, you rolled a five? A six. Six. Uh, no, it seems like everything's clear. 
deal with than she expected. <laughs> like, it's just been, like, nice parties and money and, like, talking about the way the light looks. And she's like, what the? Um, she kind of, like, talks to him, like, in a childhood. She's like, what? What are you doing? What? This is... If Mr. Hadon comes, we cannot... What? What the, what the fool you are being? And she puts... She tries to, like, pick up everything that he's thrown and, like, put it back in the bag. We need to get inside. And he, he responds by taking more out of them and just continuing to throw them on the ground and saying, Manu, Manu, every single one of these that doesn't make its way to Mr. Redan is a higher chance that we get chosen. Yes, but what a scene you are causing. We can, we can just quietly get rid of them. I don't do anything quietly and I don't know the meaning of creating a scene. Um. <laughs> I think he stops briefly. To, to take one out of the bag and open it and just read it and see what it says. She's like, yes, perfect. Why don't you read them? You can figure out who the competition is. And she like kind of like gets him to sit down and is like, here, here, read this. Let, tell me what you find and find. Uh, it's actually, it's it's from uh, uh, someone named Maurice Frenet and says, has uh, faithfully served the Notre Dame Cathedral and defended it from all <laughs> from all thieves and and others who might wish Wait, to do is that it the wrong. Guy? No, it's the uh, the gendarme. The gendarme, the gendarme. <laughs> my friend. Yes. <laughs> You're like, okay, toss next. <laughs> yeah, I think you just go through them. Like, I mean, it really is like a, it is a wide assortment of like you know, people who, you know, like high society people who basically think that they should just get to go because they have the money, um, you know, regular, uh, you know, regular Parisians who uh, try to come up with anything they can, you know, any kind of flowery language they can mm. to exaggerate the the things that they've done to, to earn the spot. And a few, you notice, a few, like, you know, kind of big names, um, including... Uh, Edouard Michelin, who have put their name in the ring, and it seems like maybe have maybe they've done something that might warrant, you know, if if the if the traditional if the if the traditional meaning of something of significance is is what's being decided on, then there you know you can see some people who think, might be selected. So Manu ends up kind of just sitting down and reading through these with Percy, but she also in the back of her mind is like trying to have a plan for when Redon shows up because it doesn't look great that they're just like going through his mail, but they want to be included what uh what is that plan it's not a great plan but it's just to be like <laughs> none of these are up to Canada. surely you want someone who would just ignore the rules and show up on our own like here we are funny you should say that because about 30 minutes later um you see the airship flying from the direction of the eiffel tower toward sacre Coeur. does it still look the same uh yeah it looks it bo- it looks the same to both of you as it looked before. I think I th- you see this too, Percy. I think Percy keeps taking the handfuls out of the bag, throwing them on the ground. <laughs> so she's gonna like kind of like hit him on the arm and be like, Percy, Percy, you must act your most entitled self when he is here. We want him to just. We are above all of these people, and I think if we can make him laugh, then we can join the trip with him. This you can do, no? I don't think that'll be a problem. Vraiment, vraiment. Manu, we are above all of these people. <laughs> So we're going to cut away from the two of you and back over to the situation outside Dr. Henri Ducasse's, or I guess inside. Um, so let's let's go over the stakes here, Tommy. So you have two shot cards currently, correct? Correct. You have a minus two, minus one to all tests because you're tipsy, and a minus one to composure tests because you saw Donald commit torture. Also correct. Okay. And you're spending three points of composure. Yes. 
for a total of a plus one. For a total of a plus one. If I fail this, I get a shot card. Which is your third shot card. Correct. Okay. Go ahead and roll. Okay. What is it? Hold on. I'm taking a picture of the result (laughs) to send to the group. Oh, no. Has it come through yet? Hell yeah! (laughs) Sarah Cheers! I still oh, don't have a, seven. What is it? Seven total? It's a Monty six. I have the oh, wow. <laughs> Monty fucking hog. <laughs> boy. Oh, boy. That was, I was... I knew what I was good. I knew what was going to happen if I failed, but... Okay. Yeah. All right. I was good. not ready to have to cry. <laughs> you were just going to hear a third gunshot. That was going to be the entire oh, no. thing. <laughs> uh, so um, so uh, go ahead and uh, go ahead and tell, tell, uh, tell us what we see then. So, well... I, I actually kind of want to throw it to to Don here because he hears the two gunshots. That's true. Do, what does what do you want to do in response to that, Don? If anything, I think that he probably wants to like believe that Monty like is is going in and handling it because he just had that little outburst. And like I think that the two is kind of freaking him out a little bit. I think if he just heard one, he would assume Monty just went in and shot him. But I think mm-hmm. hearing two, like that second one, kind of makes him like start up and then like realize like oh my god oh my god oh my god and i think like he very hesitantly like pushes the door open hand kind of shaking like what am i going to see when i open it and i think he just opens the door to see what what's going on okay i think you open the door and i'm standing right there having turned back towards the door um you see the body of the doctor up against the wall and I'm just gonna I I just throw the gun off to the side and I still have the ring in my hand and I just kind of look at it and I look at Don and I'm just like do, do we even want this is this was this for for anything I, it, it seemed like it could be important I thought maybe we should uh, keep it I he'll slip it in a breast pocket we should let's we should get back yeah yes 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 and then i think he'll remember that he took the writing whatever he was scribbling down and he'll be like, oh like as a way to kind of just like oh let's distract ourselves from what's going on here but what well, let's we i have what he was what he was writing perhaps it it'll illuminate something and he looks at whatever the doctor was scribbling when they walked in so you see written on it a list of names including edward michelin and the four of you, and a few other names. It seems like he was writing down the people who he had tailed. Probably best they don't find this here. Monty, I mean, uh, Donald just kind of crumples it up and puts it back in his pocket, and they walk off silently. All right, so we're going to switch back over to Manu and Percy. Do you do anything as this airship gets closer to the Sacre-Cœur? Manu is going to, like, avert her eyes. Like, she does not want to see the yellow sign again and is like kind of stealing herself to be seem like lighthearted when okay Redon gets there um i don't think you have that investigative ability let's of see, steal she's you know she's making sure much better yes much better like <laughs> <laughs> Doing her mantras, you know? I think Percy, Percy is trying to act like he is supposed to be there, having now thrown all the letters on the ground, but trying to act like, it, you know, they are the ones who are supposed to beat him here. And the craft gets closer 
you see Radon and the other man writing on it as they were before. And you see that they look down and they see you standing there with the bag of telegrams. And you think maybe it's hard, you know, it's obviously hard to tell with a mask on, but just the, 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 the like cock of the head that Radon gives you thinks he, you think he's maybe smiling at the scene that he sees, sees below him. And they move the craft towards the, the steeple of the basilica. And you see Radon tosses the anchor wraps it around the steeple to to keep the to keep the craft in place and both Radon and the the other man the pilot climb out of the craft onto the scaffolding that goes all the way up to the top of the steeple and start climbing their way down and all of a sudden you feel this gust of wind maybe you feel it first maybe you hear it first but it seems like this huge rush of wind flows out of the craft and blows the trees all around the basilica. It blows the grass down below. You feel it like blow across you and it's like almost gale force winds that have blown by you. And by the movement of the grass, you see that they that the wind is heading directly back toward the Eiffel Tower and the airship itself kind of collapses as if like the wind has been let out of the sails and just kind of like lays up against the steeple of the basilica. And that is where we're going to end our story for now. Thank you. I, I need wow. a I need a minute. <laughs> <laughs> podcast was created using the Yellow King RPG by Pelgrane Press and is based on an adventure written by Robin D. Laws, both used under the Pelgrane Press limited community use policy, along with the music from the Yellow King Suite written by James Semple. Our intro music was composed and produced by Jean-Luc Bouchard. You can find more information about the nature of my game podcast at NOMG Podcast on Twitter and Instagram or at nomgpodcast.com. To support us on Patreon, please visit www.patreon.com slash nomgpodcast. Podcast.